coming to you live from Canada. Here comes your game-changing, life-transforming turning point moment. Ahem. Yes, this is the sign you've been looking for. You're listening to Engage City Church. Powered by hope, not hype. Online at engagechurch.ca. Verse 20, we're continuing our series called Death to Selfie. Death to Selfie. Uh, and I think that's just an exciting title for all of us here today. Uh, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. All right, we might have to throw a black background on that. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is our key thought. This is our key idea. This is our thing. Last week we really focused on the middle chunk of this verse. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God. If you're ever wondering how uh, the Apostle Paul who wrote most of the New Testament made it through being uh, in shipwrecks and in chains and getting bitten by snakes, how did, how did somebody like that survive? How does somebody like that live a life that's so incredible where he starts churches with, with thousands and thousands of people, thousands of lives are changed, and through the generations he writes half the New Testament and we're still benefiting from his, uh, from his life. How does somebody live a life like that? And yet he drops this little tidbit. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God. That's how we make it through. It's how we get through the struggle, the fight, the battle. It's how we, we break through the hopelessness. It's how we get through the pain. It's how we, we navigate this journey called life. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God. I just, I'm reminded that I need to make one more quick announcement that if you have a, a kid and engage kids, you've got a barcode and there might be numbers that pop up on the screen back here. And if that happens, you can just head on back. There's no numbers now. Uh, you can just head on to the back, and uh, we'll, we, we just need you with your child for a moment. I don't really, that's, this is the worst announcement I've ever made in the history of life because it's just so awkward. But there we go. If there's a situation, we're going to flash your number. Please leave immediately, and uh, there's probably poop involved. So <laughs> let's be real. They, they pee themselves, they poo themselves. Oh, that's just my kids, all right. So it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. That's, that's a whole crazy thought that it's not me living every single day. I wake up and I crucify my old self and I live this new life with Jesus. How does that even work? What's the practicalities around that? Well, so I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God. Every day I'm aware that the Bible says that God's mercies are new every morning. So every day I wake up and I make a conscious decision that today I'm going to trust Jesus. Today I don't have to be tied to my old self, my old habits, my old addictions, my old way of doing life. That Jesus has something better for me. Why? Because he loves me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Why don't we just do something together? Why don't you turn to your neighbor, look him straight in the eyeballs and say, Jesus loves me. Okay, now turn to your second choice, person you didn't want to make eye contact with before, and say, Jesus loves you. And so do I. My number is, <laughs> maybe an email. How do we do this in the 21st century? Email, do we exchange emails if you're trying to connect with somebody? All right. That's, <laughs> it's destiny. 
Jesus loves me. And we love to hear these words. We love to hear these magical words that Jesus loves us because it makes us feel so good that somebody would give their life for us and die for us on the cross. We, we have this romantic notion, this romantic idea that Jesus loves me so much. I and mean, we know John 3, 16, for God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall have eternal life and shall not perish. We like, we like these Bible verses because I love the idea of God doing something for me, Jesus doing something for me. But sometimes we get a little confused because we think, we think that we might be worthy of this love or we think that he might love us because we love him first when in fact the scripture confirms for us that we love him because he loved us first. That he died for us. While we were still a hot mess, the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, while we were utterly helpless at just the right time, Jesus came and he died for the worst parts of us, not just the best parts of us. This is 1 John verse 4. God show how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. It's a song. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Fast forward to verse 18. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this, and this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he loved us first. We, we find ourselves on, on one of two ends of a spectrum. We either have this, this view of God where he loves us, he died for us, he sacrificed himself for us, and he's got this undying, never-ending, reckless love for us that chases us down, that he stands by his word, his promises, he'll never leave us or forsake us, that, that even when we drift and we go our own way, he comes and he's working all things together for our good. He's coming to, to transform our lives, to draw us back in, and we, we can live on this side of the spectrum. But there's a great number of us who live over here on the other side of the spectrum who believe that it's a miracle that they can even walk in these doors without burning up. That we see God as this vengeful, angry person who tries to, to smite people. You might be even someone who's, who's wondering whether or not these, the hurricanes and the storms are meant to wipe out sin and evil. Can I tell you, they're not. They're not. How do I know that? Because God is love. Not only is God love, God is perfect love. Perfect love casts out fear. So if the thing that you think might be Jesus is coming at you and it's causing you fear, you can be rest assured that it is not Jesus. He is not here to terrify you. He is not here to terrorize you. He is not here to rip your life to shreds and bring you groveling to your knees to him. Rather, he wants to love you back to life. He wants to put you back together piece by piece. He wants to heal your broken hearts and he wants to lead you on, on into your destiny and into your future. He just has the courage and the boldness and the tough love to tell you when things aren't quite working out right. Ephesians chapter 3, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then... Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Sounds familiar, Galatians 2.20, so I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God. Christ will make his home in our hearts as you trust in him. If you were wondering how 
well, what the magic formula is to get more of Jesus in my life, it's to trust him more. Your roots will go down into God's love and keep you strong. Your roots will go down into God's love and keep you strong. Now, I have two kids. Everett is five. Kingston is two and a half. And what my kids love at all times are treats. And if you hear my two and a half year old say it, Kingston says, Daddy, treats? And you're like, yes. All the treats. All the time. He just comes up and he's like, can I have a snack? Yes, son. You can have a snack. So last night, I'm trying to put him down to bed. They just had supper, and he's like, Daddy, one more snack. He just had half a chocolate bar. No, son, not one more snack. I'm mad. Yeah, me too. I like to be the superhero who delivers you chocolate all times, all hours of the day. I like to be the guy who just gives you treats. I love to be the guy who gives you cookies for lunch all the time. That's like dad life, prime, mom's gone, party time. You know, I'm the superhero around here. Not true. She is every single day. But I try and win my way back with cookies for lunch. But the reality is I'm not a good dad if I give my son cookies for lunch every single day. I'm not a good dad if I give him the second treat right before bedtime. Why? Because I know it's going to throw off his sleeping pattern. I know it's not healthy for him to consume a regular diet of chocolate chip cookies. That's not successful living. That's not him living his best life now. That's not the ketone diet, okay? It's like, (laughs) it's not a key to his success. So I choose to limit the things that he likes. So that we can build together a life that he can thrive in. And so we get angry at God because he doesn't give us what we want, when we want it, how we want it, on time when we want it. And we go, I'm mad. And you flex your disappointed muscles. And you let the roots of your heart go down deep into your disappointment and your bitterness. And you find yourself living out of a place where you're always mad at God because he's not giving you what you want, when you want, how you want it. On your timeline, at my place, I'm supposed to be a superstar by now, Jesus. I got all the talent. Jesus goes, no, what we need to work on is your character. What we need to work on is your heart because your character can't carry the calling that I've placed on your life. And so I'm not going to give you cookies for lunch all the time. I'm just going to invite you to walk with me and I need you to trust me in every moment of every day. I need you to wake up every morning and say his mercies are new every morning. And I'm going to trust Jesus. I'm going to trust Jesus even when things aren't all adding up because if the whole world depends on your smartness, we're all in trouble. If your life revolves around you making it happen, we're all in trouble. 
Because the incredible thing about walking and journeying with Jesus is that he always calls us forward because he put all the very best parts of us inside of us. He put them there. The things that you're still discovering, the things that you're still figuring out about yourself, Jesus placed deep within you. And now throughout this journey, he starts pulling them out. He starts extracting the gold and pulling it out through all these different seasons and moments in your life. He's taking you on a journey. He just says, listen, if you trust me, we're going to get together to a life that you can't even imagine. But what you need to do is trust me. And one of the best ways you can trust me is every day put that old life to death. And I'm going to give you the power to do it. But one of the ways that we have to be responsible is we got to cut off those roots. I've shared before about my struggle with dandelions in my, in my yard. They are from the devil. I, they're a reminder. I wake up every day and I say, not today, Satan. And we spray and we trim and we yank. Say, not today, Satan. This lawn is sanctified. I don't do any of those things. But I feel it on the inside. But what I understand is that the flower isn't really the problem. Right? The flower's not the problem. It's the roots. Those are tap roots. Those bad boys go down deep. So I can cut off the flower. I can rip it. I can mow it. I can dance on it. I can light it on fire. But unless I take care of the root system, I'm not fixing the problem. They're going to keep coming back. So Jesus says, let your roots go down deep into my love. That also suggests that my roots could go down deep into something else. And so you might be struggling with something. You might believing, be believing for God for a miracle for something. And you might even be mad at him because he's not bringing the breakthrough that you wanted at the time that you wanted. But have we considered for a moment that we've done nothing about the root? Galatians 2. Now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Now these are probably the most, it's going to appear magical, we'll try this again. Colossians chapter 2 verse 6. And go. Round of applause for Keith. Thank you. Thank you. Did it with my mind. It's fine. Um, Colossians 2. And now as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Just hold it right there. What a thought. That I could accept Jesus Christ as my Lord, which means I accept Jesus Christ as king of my life. I make him large and in charge. I make him the king over everything. But even after I've done that, I could just choose not to follow him. I could choose to go my own way. I could choose to do my own thing. That With Jesus, there's so much freedom in Jesus. He says, listen, this needs to be a free will operation. This has to be you saying, man, I want to follow that guy because he said that there's a rich and abundant life. He also said that there's going to be troubles and trials and tribulations. But I know that as long as with, I'm with Jesus, things are going to work out for the better. But it also comes down to you and I understanding that just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. We have 
to keep walking behind Jesus one step at a time, one step at a time, one step at a time, one step at a time. I'm a firm believer that there's, there's two life events that happen in our lives that, that transform our entire thinking. The first one, actually, Seven Haley, why don't you come on up here? Come on up. Big round of applause, Pastor Seven Haley. I believe that the first major milestone in life that really is transformative, one of them is marriage. Because marriage helps you understand how selfish you are as a human being. And how much you only care about yourself. So, Saley, 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 come on! Yeah! Saley, from here on out. Wow, that's it. And now I found it on a moment in a, in a minute. Uh, I would just like to confirm that Seb's a selfish individual. Can you confirm that for me? Confirmed. 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 Seb, I would like you to confirm that you're a selfish individual. And you, can you tell us what your number one struggle is in your marriage? Uh, no, don't actually say anything. Because Haley is perfect and wonderful and full of the grace of Jesus Christ to accept you and that beard into her life. But the reality, Seb and Haley are just married, but the reality is, is that when you, when you contrast yourself against somebody else, you begin to realize all these areas, all these things in your life that you're like, wow, I really only care about me. Because you introduce someone else to the picture, somebody else who you, who, no, you just stay right here for the rest of the message, you, who, you, who you love deeply, almost to the point of saying, I would do anything for you. I mean, almost, we say it at the vows, but most people don't mean it. That's why our divorce rate is where it is, okay? We say these things out loud, but we don't mean them. That's an aside. They meant them. But you say these things, and you start to believe these things, and you start to live these things, but all of a sudden, you bump into a barrier when what Haley needs is not what Seb wants. So then he has a choice. What does he do? He either serves and loves his wife in the same way that Christ did the church, or he does his own thing. Sit down, thank you very much. Round of applause. But the truth is, oftentimes, when we think about our relationship with Jesus, we don't think about it in a natural context like that. You, we, if, if you're married or, you're in, or you've been in a relationship, you, can't, you know what I'm talking about. You know these mechanics. You know these feelings like, well, I, I got to do this even though I don't want to. And I do not care about that area rug whatsoever. But sure, I'd love to go for seven and a half hours to source one out at Ikea with you. You do those things because you love your spouse and you love hot dogs. Like, let's be honest. But you're, con you're confronted by these things. But did you know that Jesus and the church are a picture of, of marriage? That Jesus loves the church and the church is known as the bride of Christ and in the same way that Jesus gives everything for us he died for us he sacrificed for us we're now here as the church in this relationship with Jesus and saying man I want to I want to love you I want to serve you I want to give everything for you the second transformative moment is when you become a parent because then you realize all the things that your parents did for you that you had no idea about you realize that you thought you were selfish when you got married. You had no idea how selfish you were until you're elbow deep in poop. And you're like, wow, I would do anything for this child instead of 
cleaning, including cleaning this stuff up. So you don't have to live and wallow in this. You're willing to get up at all hours of the night and take care and lead and guide and make these sacrifices. You realize, you realize how selfish you are. You see, love exposes our selfishness, but it calls us forward into selflessness. Love exposes our selfishness, but it calls us forward into selflessness. When I was dating my wife, Desiree, I used to drive 35 to 40 minutes every day to see her. Every day. Whether or not, <laughs> whether or not it was worth the drive, I was making the drive. <laughs> because it was worth the drive to me at the moment, at the time. Probably still now, I might do it. I'm not sure. <laughs> Pretty busy. Got a lot of things, kids, things on the go. But the reality is you do these things when you're like in these like lovey-dovey stages, right? You're like, man, I'm going to drive 45 minutes across this city just to see you for 15 minutes. Because that 15 minutes makes my an hour and 15 minutes of driving worth everything. Because <laughs> I love you so much. Because I love you. Do you know that you just spent $75 in gas? It's totally fine. She's like, no, save it up for a ring, big boy. <laughs> Skip the visit.
Good thing my voice carries. That's awkward. Thanks for telling me, Dan. You knew this? We're working on the trust in our relationship, and this fractured it. We consider Jesus first. We consider Jesus first. How do I live this life where I'm, I'm dying to myself? Why do I even want to die to myself? I want to die to myself because I want to come alive with Jesus. Because Jesus made me. He made me together. He, he, he created me. And he's walking with me. And he's got the best life and the best outcome possible for me. And I know that if I trust in him, he's going to lead me through the valleys and through the, over the mountaintops and, and, and to the peaks and, and past the summit and around and back again. I know that if I follow Jesus that, that everything's going to be all right, even when I'm struggling, even when I'm hurting, even when I'm bleeding, I know that he's got the capacity to put my broken heart back together. And so I consider Jesus first in every area. When I wake up in the morning, I consider Jesus first. And you're like, how do I do that? It's not automatic. You're right. It's a choice. I wake up and I say, today I'm going to consider Jesus first because he considered me first, because he died for me first, because he loved me first. I consider him first in love and first in kindness and first in forgiveness and first in mercy and first in grace and first in generosity. I consider him first in my hopes and my dreams because I know they're not possible without the empowering power of Jesus Christ. So I consider him first. I consider Jesus first when I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Because his rod and his staff are there to comfort me and guide me and protect me. So I consider him first because if it was up to me, I would stop right there and crumble to my knees. But as long as with the, I'm with Jesus, he's going to lead me forward. I consider him first. Because his word says that he's got a hope and a future for me, a destiny. I consider him first because he gave me this earthly body so I live in this earthly body by trusting in the son of God I consider him first this is what the apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 12 if you're ready and if you're with me you can actually hear a microphone say I'm ready my goodness and so dear brothers and sisters I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you let them be a living and holy sacrifice the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. And so we read this verse and we're like, what does that mean? How do I even do that? That seems strange. Present myself as a living sacrifice, my whole body. Simple. It says, consider Jesus first in every area of your life. And if you do that, you're truly worshiping him because you consider Jesus first. You may, you may have a whole lot of hopes and dreams. You might even have the best business idea on earth. But if you don't consider Jesus first, you're going to set yourself on a track of disappointment. If we consider Jesus first, you might as well bring in the best business partner that ever walked the face of this earth, the guy who pulls coins out of the mouths of fishes. We consider Jesus first. Consider Jesus first. Don't copy the customs, 
the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. We consider Jesus first so that we don't live a life where we just end up with behavior modification. Here's what I mean by that. You all, we all have grown up with a set of rules of what's right and wrong. We've all already decided what is sins and what is not sins. We've decided what are mistakes and what are successes. We live by our own code of ethics, our own code of values, and we we follow those things. And when we make a mistake, we shame ourselves. And when we succeed, we celebrate ourselves. But we live by a code of some kind. And then what we do is we, we hear these things that says Jesus wants every part of our lives and we superimpose our code onto Jesus and we say, I need to do this and I need to do this and I need to do this and everybody else needs to do this, 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 and this, and this. And if they don't, they're not following Jesus. And we force people to make moral decisions based on our preferences and our convictions. And that's how Christians have become known as people who are judgmental and who alienate people because we put our preference before Jesus. We consider Jesus first. We consider Jesus first. It's not about what I think. It's about what Jesus said. Behavior modification is only going to work for a short while. Eventually, it has to turn into a love because I'll do anything for love. I'll do anything for my wife. I will do anything for my kids, including lay my life down for them. You come at my family, and I will come at you, and I will take you out, or I will die trying. And here's the thing. I feel the same way about Jesus. And you might think that's crazy, but I feel that way because he did it first. And so he may ask me to do some things in our personal relationship or work on some areas in my life. And though I may struggle, I will gladly respond to the voice of love because I know He always wants what's best for me. It's not about following the rules. It's about having a one-on-one personal relationship with Jesus who loves you and who wants the best for you. He wants to bring out the best in your life. You might have even feel trapped by these regulations. You might have even stayed away because somebody told you it's about the rules. It's about the regulations. No, it's about the relationship with Jesus. can love him and respond to his voice because he loved us first. Why don't we stand together? You've been listening to the Engage Life powered by Engage City Church. If you like what you heard, check out engagechurch.ca.